Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film Podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into Bohemian Rhapsody in today's review episode. I can show you the world. Just take a look through my eyes. Bohemian Rhapsody uh, doesn't come out for another week as of the release of this episode. Uh, I got to see it early at a screening. So no no spoilers, no spoilers. Uh, I mean, it's all based on real things. So if you know much about Freddie Mercury, then you can probably fill in the, the blanks yourself. But um, I didn't personally. I didn't know much about him. I love his music. Uh, but beyond that, I, I didn't. You know, Bohemia uh, Queen a little bit before my time uh, in the se- 70s. So, uh, you know, a lot of this was very new to me. A lot of uh, very unknown behind the scenes. You know, I didn't realize what drama was going on and so on and so forth. So, from that side of things, uh, you know, it was it was very interesting from for me to kind of get an insight into who he was, uh, what the rest of the band was like, how they interacted, you know, where he came from, what his life was part of, you know, I, I, I knew some of the big bullet points, um, but other, other than that, you know, uh, I didn't fully get, uh, have a picture of, of Freddie Mercury and just how colorful a life he led. And so Bohemian Rhapsody, Directed mostly by Brian Singer, uh, who was not the finishing director of the film. I don't remember. I guess I should look it up, shouldn't I? Because he's the only credited director on on the movie. Um, Dexter Fletcher, that's right. Dexter Fletcher came in. Uh, to finish the job, and he is not credited uh, on Letterboxd. He is not credited on IMDb. I don't know if that's permanent or not, uh, but that's how it is right now. So, yeah, so directed primarily by Brian Singer, but Dexter Fletcher came in and, and cleaned up, not really cleaned up his mess, but took over when he was fired, starring Rami Malik. Lucy Boynton, Aidan Gillen, Tom Hollander, Mike Myers, uh, Joseph Mazzello, among others. Uh, a lot of main characters in this movie uh, played by actors I'd never heard of, uh, particularly the rest of the band. Uh, so you've got Gwilym Lee, uh, Ben Hardy, and Joseph Mazzello, who actually is like he he is very recognizable when you see him in the movie. And I could not, for the life of me, pinpoint who he was, why I recognized him. And he's the he's the kid from Jurassic Park. He's the he's the kid from Jurassic Park. Um, but the others, Ben Hardy, Willem Lee, not really familiar with them. Didn't know who they were. Uh, Rami Malek, obviously playing Freddie Mercury. Lucy Boynton playing Mary Austin, who he is, who is a romantic interest and life partner of Freddie Mercury's throughout the film. Aidan Gillen plays um, uh, a network uh, exec type guy who 
kind of manages the band manager. You've got Tom Hollander, who's the band lawyer. Mike Myers, who runs a record label, etc., etc. And I mentioned, you know, part of the and a part of the the excitement of this movie for me being getting to know this this band and these people and and Freddie Mercury in particular. And honestly, in in like a two and two hour and ten minute movie. I don't feel like I learned that much about them, to be quite honest. There was one through line that I was really engaged with that I wish they'd spent more time working at and, and focusing on. And, you know, obviously, you know, a band like this, so many hits, so iconic, uh, you know, they show, uh, I, you know, I don't know how accurate it is, but they show moments and scenes where some of these songs are created and, and introduced and, and began. Which is nice, uh, you know. It seemed a little convenient, and and you know, as if it just kind of came to them like a bolt of lightning. And maybe they did, maybe they did. But what I was fascinated by was as the film progressed. You know, we hear them talk and reference each other as like four people who don't really fit together, four people who are very, very different. And they are, you know, they're they're four guys who don't really always get along and they have a lot of conflicts with each other they fight a lot and then you see them come together uh you know maybe minutes after you know yelling at each other and they create something absolutely incredible they they put together their voice you know freddie mercury's voice with brian may roger taylor and and john deacon's music and and they make magic together and a couple of times, like, you get that sense of wonder in this movie, at least I did, and I really wanted more of that. I wanted to see, you know, how could this band, somebody, a, a group of people who, on, on a professional level, are just absolutely incredible together, uh, yet socially and, and personally have so many problems with each other, how do they sustain themselves how do they you know what was keeping them together while they were together and i think the movie makes a, a very broad and vague attempts to to address this and uh, really didn't cut it for me on that level but i thought that was the most exciting direction the movie could have taken uh, now obviously Freddie mercury known for a lot of things uh, outside of uh, just music uh, you know he was an icon. He was uh, homosexual, which is addressed in the movie. Uh, it's not. Um, it's not you know beat you over the head with it. You know it's done very tastefully. I thought. I thought. Uh, you know he is known uh, as you know he died young, uh, and because he had AIDS, which is also addressed in the movie. Uh, but again, that is not what the focus is. You know, it, it's you know, this isn't a movie about um, him coming out. This isn't a movie about him fighting AIDS. You know, that is more of a backdrop to who he was as a person in a lot of ways. And as much as those elements of him kind of define his legacy and define a lot of the way people remember him by, uh, that's not what. That's not the character that the movie is trying to present him as. That's not the person the movie lays him out to be. You know, he was more than that. You know, these 
those things, those aspects of him are not who he was. You know, he had a lot of different sides. And uh, I think as cliche and, and often tropey as the movie presents those sides, it does present a lot of different faces to this man. Uh, which, speaking of, you know, Rami Malek, who is the the titular or not titular, but but lead singer, Freddie Mercury. A lot of, lot of speculation, a lot of talk about his performance in this. Uh, you know, he, he absolutely looks the part. He completely takes over the image of Freddie Mercury. Uh, when he is performing, oh my goodness, it's like he's there in front of me. Uh, again, he just, he knows that so well. He, he embodies the mannerisms and, and styles of... of Freddie Mercury, but the one place that I really couldn't connect, uh, which is very frustrating, is the voice is is fine, but it's the the way he talks. Because I watched videos with Freddie Mercury, and you know, listened to Freddie Mercury actually talk, and it did not sound the same. He has these he. he you know, I haven't seen all of Mr. Robot. I've seen, I think, just the first season. But that, it's it's like he was, he took Freddie Mercury's accent and put it on his character from Mr. Robot, which was really odd and, and really frustrating a lot, many of the times, many of the times. So, I, I really think he does a great job, but it doesn't quite break through for me because of those uh, vocal issues uh, which is very problematic and, and very frustrating uh, that being said uh, you know this movie opens on a sequence of of Freddie Mercury preparing for a, a performance uh, which I loved I love this opening sequence you know I, I you know it's backdropped by their by it by by Queen's music uh, and, you know, we ne- don't ever see his face. We're from behind him the whole time. I love that sequence. And the bookend and, and the uh, similar bookend of the movie, uh, the final sequence that the movie, final main sequence of the movie, that is, is equally as stunning, if not more so. Uh, beautiful, beautiful ending. Um, and really... It felt like they took the ending of the movie and worked backwards. Like, okay, I can do this. I know, like, whoever it was, maybe it was Singer, I'm not sure. But whoever it was said, all right, I know how to film and make this sequence. How can I get there? And, you know, how, what, what plot points do I have to hit along the way so that when this moment comes, it's a more of, it's a culmination. And it is a culmination. You know, it does bring together all of the things that we all the rungs of the ladder that we passed along the way, it's just that all those rungs are really a lot weaker than what the finality of the end of the movie is on a whole, on the whole. So, that said, uh, outside of Rami Malek's performance, uh, that's it, though. Like, uh, you know, it's a, there's a big cast involved in making this movie, but... You know, Lucy Boynton disappears from the movie for like half an hour at a time. Uh, Aidan Gillen 
and Tom Hollander and Mike Myers. You know, Mike Myers gets like two scenes. Tom Hollander gets like two or three scenes. Aiden Gillen gets two or three scenes. Uh, the rest of the band members disappear for about half an hour in like the middle of like three quarters of the movie. Uh, you know, it, it just it just doesn't quite pull itself together and put the pieces where they're supposed to be all the time. And it's you know it's it's frustrating because you can see like if you know if you know more than I did about who Freddie Mercury was then clearly he's got a great story clearly he was a fascinating person with a brilliant life that was snuffed out too soon uh, he was one of the best performers around uh, you know the 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 performance that Queen gives at Live Aid is still you revered and talked about and like that was 40 years ago 35 years ago and it just it feels like all the pieces are there you have a performer Rami Malek who completely looks the part uh, and you know I, I don't believe you know I, I've heard conflicting reports about who this who the singing is from I don't think it's his singing but whether or not it was at any point, you know, he sells it beautifully. It looks like he's actually singing every single note that comes out. And I, I don't know why this kind of got this stumbled. And I, you could say that maybe it's because of, you know, switching directors, you know, more than halfway through the film. Uh, you know, maybe it was just Brian Singer. Maybe it was Dexter Fletcher. Maybe it was something that each of them had done that it just didn't gel with the story or the narrative or what have you uh, but all in all you know it, it ends up being a lot more lukewarm than I expected it to be which isn't bad I, I think it's it's a serviceable movie I, I think it if you really care about this music uh, and really enjoy the music you will totally you know be stomping your feet and like moving in your seats while you're listening and watching uh you know i was totally into all the music and and as much as the movie shouldn't just be basically a recreated queen concert you know half the time i was kind of wishing it was because i thought that and like that could have been so interesting maybe i don't know uh if they could have figured out a narrative way to to pull that off but otherwise you know, outside of those moments, it really does drag, and and there are moments where it feels kind of like solo with the way that it's, you know, uh, shoehorning in these these origins for the song or this name or this person or this whatever it is, and you never know how, especially with the creation of the songs, like. Is, Maybe one, a couple, some of them were like flashes of lightning, but the way that they created some of the others, it just felt just completely out of the blue. And even if they weren't, if they weren't, like you should present them that way, because when you hand Freddie Mercury this like sheet music and, and these lyrics, and he just starts singing them, and then it just starts to play, you know, maybe it took, you know, weeks to write those lyrics to come up with this music. I don't know. But the way the movie presents it, it's like, just happened. Just like that. It's like, oh, I wrote these last night, and I came up with the music, you know. 
and it does that a lot. It's it's tough. I was really looking forward to this. It's still got good reviews from, I don't know, most people, I guess. It's close to fresh on, on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, as of right now, recording this, oh, it's dropped a little. It's down to a 50%, uh, but it's still early. Like, the movie doesn't come out for a, a week, so that percentage is definitely subject to fluctuation. Uh, but, on the other hand, top critics only give it a 22. But, if you look on Letterboxd, and I don't know how many of these people actually saw the movie, but it has a 3.6. So, you know, pick your pick your poison. Personally, I found some sort of spot in between. I gave the movie a 45. There are definitely highlights. I think the ending sequence is one of the best endings of a movie I've seen this year, both in style uh, and just in the way that it's it plays out. You know, I think it would sound absolutely amazing in, in Dolby, uh, and I wasn't able to see it in that format, so sad. But, you know, otherwise, I think it just, it just kind of meanders. You know, it's very long, it takes a while, you know, we get halfway through the movie and you can kind of plot the rest of the movie out already because you know, okay, we got to check off this box, we got to check off that box, we got to find this and do that and hit him and, you know, this guy's got to be a thing and not a thing and these characters have to move in and out of Freddie Mercury's life uh, in a specific way because the movie set it up that way already so we know what's coming and we know where the ending is going to be as well because it's it's just the natural progression. So it's it's a it's a movie that doesn't really do anything new until that final sequence and and otherwise and you know I'll I loved it. Thought that was fantastic. Uh just so invigorating, so energetic and if the rest of the movie had been like that, uh you know, this is this would be amazing. You know, this would be fantastic. But it's not, and um, I gave it a 45. You know, slightly, slightly below average. Uh, would have been a lot lower without the ending, uh, or the intro, for that matter. Intro and the ending, definitely the best parts of the movie for me. But, you know, depending on your commitment and um, enjoyment of Bohemian Rhapsody, the song, as well as the band, Queen, and so on and so forth, you know, you could come away with this a lot more excited and and pleased than me. I've seen plenty of reviews by people who, who love the movie. Uh, four stars, four stars, four stars. Um, you know, and... and I hope, I hope more... I hope people see it, and I hope they enjoy it, and... If anything, you know, it'll if it if it brings pe more people back to listening to Queen's music, uh, you know, that's a win, right? That's a win. Uh, the way that um, their music came out and was a huge hit, uh, re-released some of their music after Freddie Mercury passed away, and it was it, you know climbed the charts again. Uh, Glee resurrected them 
in a sense. You know, Glee had a lot of big Queen songs. Um, and uh, now we have Bohemian Rhapsody. We had, uh, uh, oh, what was the movie with Mike Myers in it? Uh, Wayne's World. You know, Wayne's World had Bohemian Rhapsody in it, uh, which I love that Mike Myers from Wayne's World, also in this movie, uh, there's a f really funny scene that he has, which is basically just a complete direct lampooning of Wayne's World, in a sense, uh, which will make more sense when, when you see the scene, but... I thought that was funny, and and it goes on a little long, and it definitely does not need to be in the movie, but it was funny. It would have worked better as like a, I don't know, blooper outtake sort of thing, but it was good. It was good. Yeah, so Queen has just has always been around, and hopefully they'll always be around, and... You know, I don't know if we'll ever get another biopic about them, uh, about Freddie Mercury, uh, with this one. You know, I guess we'll see if this, how successful this one is at the box office, and if it does go on to get any Oscar nominations or anything like that. But I think there's a lot better that could be done. Um, but I don't know if now the time will be spent on on doing that. So, yeah. I gave Bohemian Rhapsody a 45. It has no factor in any of the Circle of Film Awards. Um, Malik does not quite make it onto the list for lead. And even the ending, as great as it, as it is, uh, does not quite get there for best scene of the year for me. So 45, Bohemian Rhapsody. That's it. That is it. Uh, like I said, no real spoilers. Um, Tried to, even though it's real real stuff that happened, tried to be as vague as I could um, with some of the stuff that happens towards the end of the movie, even any of the movie specifically. So that's it for today's episode. Uh, thank you for listening. Always appreciated. And uh, now the outro, courtesy of Meg Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you would like to listen to more episodes, you can find this podcast at circleoffilm.com or on iTunes. Don't forget to rate and review. If you'd like to follow Ryan on Twitter, you can find him at circleoffilm or contact him through email at circleoffilm at gmail.com. You can also support the show at patreon.com slash circleoffilm for as little as eight cents an episode. Thank you again for listening and have a week. So long, farewell. I know she'll never leave me, even as she fades from view. So long, farewell, I'll be to say adieu. In the name of love, one night in the name of love. So long, farewell, oh, I'll be to say. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So long.